Good morning, ABC family. I'm Tim Fazio, and I'm so happy you joined us today. Have a few announcements for you. Take out your phones, mark your calendars, December 17th from 6 to 8 o'clock. That's this Friday, December 17th from 6 to 8. We're going to have an ABC family Christmas party. Bring your family, bring your friends, bring everybody. Just come and have a great time. We're going to have a movie. We're going to have hay rides, a journey through Bethlehem. Um, it'll be a, a tremendous time, well worth coming. Please join us this Friday, December 17th. Next, Christmas Eve. There will be two services on Christmas Eve, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock. There will be child care for four and under at the 5 o'clock, none at 7. They'll both be in the outside. So dress warm, but come guys, It'll, you'll be well worth your time. Great worship, great message, and a candle lighting time. It's a special time. So Christmas Eve services, two of them, five and seven o'clock. And lastly, guys, one of the things that the church has asked me to do when they asked me to come on a couple years ago was to help oversee the finances here at Atascadero Bible Church. And I've got to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I've watched this church put a priority on finances for the church. Uh, scripture tells us, do not build up treasures here on earth where must rust and moth destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But it tells us to build up treasures in heaven where those things don't happen because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. You know what? I've seen your heart and you've given... Uh, tremendously to this body in a very difficult time. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for that. And if anybody would like to do a year-end gift, please go online. Click online. You can give online. If you'd like to give to our missions, there's a drop-down box. Click on the GoFund. The GoFund goes directly to our missions teams. But I just wanted to tell you again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your um, sacrificial giving to this body. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hope you have a great morning and a great week. Hi, ABC family. We're so glad you're tuning in with us today. My name is Gerald Haugen. I'm the discipleship pastor here at ABC Church. And it's my privilege today to continue our preaching series in Advent that we've titled Shadows. We are working our way toward Christmas, our celebration of the humble birth of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And as we do that, we're, we're doing that in the spirit of Advent, the spirit of remembering his humble birth and looking forward to and longing his return to this earth where he will come to rule and to reign, to set up his kingdom forever. And we will finally be delivered from our sins and the fullness of the salvation that is ours in Christ. We will step into and will be the fullness of our experience. Last week, Jeff opened up this series of shadows by teaching on Abraham and Isaac, who are a shadow of sacrifice. And the takeaway there was that the Lord will provide. And this week, we take a look at another couple from the lineage of Christ. We take a look at Boaz and Ruth, and we hear from them through the entire book of Ruth, we will learn some lessons that tell us about who Jesus is and who, what Jesus came to do and is doing even presently on this earth. So 
Before we dive in, let me just pause and pray and we'll take it from there. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your wise plan of salvation. We praise you that that meant your son, the eternal word, would take on flesh and be born as a baby and that you used people on this earth in his lineage, in his human lineage. You used people like Boaz and Ruth. I pray now that you would bless the teaching and the preaching of your word, this book of Ruth, and that you would bless us today as we study and marvel at what you have to teach us. We ask these blessings, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So the setting of this story, this book of Ruth, is at the time of the judges. And if you find the book of Ruth and turn one page left, you will see in the final verse of Judges chapter 21, this verse is verse 25, it gives us a, a feeling of what the life was like there. And he says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So that's the setting of the book of Ruth. It's in the time of the judges, time when there's no king in Israel, a time when every person is doing what is right in their own eyes. So we will summarize the book of Ruth, reading important passages directly out of the scripture in each chapter so that we capture the essence of this entire story. It's a masterfully crafted, beautiful story, and it begins in this way. In a season of famine, a man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons leave Bethlehem to find food in Moab. Now the irony there is that the town of Bethlehem literally means house of bread. So they're in a season of famine, there's no bread in the house of bread, and they go and they sojourn in the country of Moab. Over the course of about 10 years, Naomi's husband Elimelech dies. Her boys marry Moabite women. And then both of these sons die, leaving all three women in a very vulnerable position. Naomi then decides to return to Bethlehem because she's learned that the Lord has visited his people and has given them food. She urges her daughters-in-law to return to their mother's houses to find rest. One of her daughters-in-law, Orpah, does. She returns to her house. But Ruth makes a radical decision to devote herself to Naomi, to her people, and to her God. We pick up the story here in chapter 1, verse 16. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? 
So here we are at the end of chapter one. Naomi is empty. She's in crisis. She's in desperate need of food and she's in desperate need of family. Friends, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a set of circumstances here on this earth where you just feel like you're empty? You're in crisis. This is a story for you. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're in crisis. Maybe you're empty. Let's continue to read and hear how the Lord works. In chapter 2, these women arrive in Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Ruth does what poor widows did back then. She worked hard all day, every day, gleaning whatever was left behind in the fields, behind the reapers. And it just so happens that she's gleaning in a field that belongs to a man named Boaz, who just so happens to be a man of means and a close relative of Elimelech and Naomi. He's a kinsman redeemer. Boaz notices Ruth, and after finding out that she was Naomi's daughter-in-law from Moab, he says this. Begin reading here in chapter 2, verse 8. Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? For I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And at the end of the day, she measured what she had gleaned, and she found it to be about an ephah, which is about two weeks' worth of food. She continues to glean diligently through the end of the harvest season, over a number of weeks. And now at the end of chapter 2, thanks to Ruth's dedicated service and Boaz's gracious provision, the immediate, immediate crisis of food is over, all in one day. But there's a deeper longing in Naomi's heart for herself and for Ruth. They need family. So we continue the story in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, Naomi devises a plan to help Ruth rest in the arms of a, this godly man. She dresses her up nicely, sends her down to where Boaz is threshing grain in the evening. She instructs Ruth to wait until Boaz has finished his work, has finished his dinner, and has laid down to sleep on the pile of grain. Once Boaz is asleep, she is to lay at his feet and wait for him to wake up. We pick up this story at verse 6 of chapter 3. So, she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled, and he turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. 
Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Now Boaz is unwilling to tarnish her reputation. He instructs her to stay there on the threshing floor overnight. And then he sends her off in the pre-dawn dark with a load of grain as a gift for Naomi. And here at the end of chapter 3, the crisis of food is definitely over. That need has been amply met. They now have months worth of food. And the crisis of family now has a potential solution. And we're all rooting for Boaz. But there's a man who is of closer relationship to Naomi and Elimelech. The plot thickens. In chapter 4, we pick it up and we find that later that same morning, Boaz sits down at the city gate and he pulls aside the one relative of Naomi's who is of closer relation to Elimelech than he is. This relative has the first right of refusal on the redemption of Elimelech's land. Boaz gathers some of the town elders as witnesses and he says to this redeemer in their presence, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of these sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption. Take it for yourself. I cannot redeem it. And Boaz does this with joy. The elders of the town witness the transaction, and all the townspeople pray that Ruth would be like Leah and Rachel, the two women who God used to build up the house of Israel. The story concludes in this way, continuing in chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, 
He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. The crisis of family is now resolved. The Lord does this in the most unsuspecting of ways. Who would have thought that a woman from Moab would have been included in the family of Israel? More than that, who would have thought that this woman would become the great-grandmother of the King David, a man after God's own heart? What an amazing story. So the question is, here at Christmas time, in the season of Advent, what do we need to learn from this story? How does this help us understand who Jesus is and what he came to do? What are the characters in this story saying to us today? Today, we're going to take a little different approach. We're going to hear from three characters in this story, and each has something unique to tell us today. Hi, my name is Boaz. I know that I'm the hero of this story, but God is the one who enabled me to redeem Elimelech's land, his widow Naomi and the daughter-in-law Ruth. So many things had to line up, but let me highlight just three. First, in God's sovereignty, I was a near kinsman, and therefore I was qualified to redeem them. You see, not just anyone is able to exercise this right. The Redeemer must be a man of close relation, someone of the same clan. Redeemers must be family. Secondly, God also put a soft spot in my heart for Ruth so that I was willing to redeem. Now don't get me wrong, Ruth was beautiful. She was lovely in every way. And I marvel at how she selflessly served her mother-in-law Naomi dedicating so much time and effort to care for her that she even jeopardized her own ability to remarry. She's a worthy woman, but the cultural cost of marrying a Moabite is sobering, to say the least. You know, I'm convinced that this is what prevented the kinsmen of closer relationship from making such a commitment. He was so concerned about how marrying Ruth would impair his own inheritance. And I get it. I had to wrestle with God about that aspect of the decision myself. But in the end, it was the right thing to do, so I became willing. Thirdly, God had blessed me with freedom and resources so that I was able to redeem. By his grace, I was not indebted and my property was not in need of redemption. I can't take that for granted, that I had the means to make the payment when the opportunity presented itself. I praise God for such provision. By His grace, I was qualified, willing, and able. But who would have thought that the Lord would include Ruth and me in the lineage of King David? More than that, I know that the Messiah we had been waiting for came from the line of David. The Christ, he was born in Bethlehem too. His name is Jesus, and the Father, God, enabled him to be our ultimate redeemer. As in my case, there were many things that had to line up for Jesus to become our ultimate redeemer. Again, I will highlight just three. Number one, in God's sovereign wisdom, Jesus is fully human. He's a near kinsman and therefore he's qualified to redeem. 
You see, all humans are indebted to God because we have all sinned against God and there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Therefore, human blood is the price for our ultimate redemption. Jesus, our Messiah, the Christ, he is both fully God and fully human, and therefore he's qualified to pay the price of redemption. Secondly, Jesus knows our vulnerability. He has compassion on humanity, and he sees us as being harassed by our enemy. He sees us as sheep without a shepherd, and as the good shepherd, Jesus is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He is willing to redeem us. Thirdly, because he was sinless, he was free. He was not indebted to God, so his blood was not required to purchase his own redemption. Therefore, Jesus has the required resources so that he is able to redeem others. And just like I, Boaz, was qualified, willing, and able to redeem Naomi and Ruth, Jesus is qualified, willing, and able to redeem us from our sins. My role as the Redeemer was just a shadow of what Jesus would do. The Lord is our ultimate Redeemer. ABC family, Boaz is right. Listen to how our brother Paul explains this in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Jesus, the Lord, is our ultimate redeemer. And because of him, we have a father. And because we have a father who owns all things, we have an eternal inheritance. This truth, friends, is real just as real as the presence of life that you are facing right now. What circumstances are you in right now that you're facing? This truth is just as real as the pain of your circumstances. So how do we respond when our circumstances are hard? What do we do when, like Naomi, we find ourselves empty, even bitter, because it feels as though the Almighty has brought calamity upon us? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Friends, we can have hope this Christmas season because we have a Redeemer. Just when Naomi thought that she had been abandoned, God was at work weaving together a solution for her deepest problems, a resolution for her every crisis, for food, 
for family and through Jesus, her ultimate redemption. Is it not possible that he is doing a similar work on your behalf? The Lord is our ultimate redeemer. And because of this truth, we have hope in these circumstances. So that's what Boaz would say to us. The Lord's our ultimate redeemer. But what about the others? What would Ruth say? Hi, my name is Ruth. Boaz is right. Marrying a woman from Moab was a risky move. In fact, I should have been excluded. My question to Boaz in chapter 2, verse 10 is a valid one. Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? You see, I'm not of God's chosen people. I'm not of the nation of Israel. In fact, my people spring, spring forth not from a covenant, but from a scandal of an incestuous relationship between Abraham's nephew Lot and his oldest daughter. Yeah, I know, it's messy. You can read more about that in Genesis 19. And as if that wasn't enough to warrant my being labeled as a black sheep, it was the women of Moab, my people, who became notorious for luring the men of Israel into sexual immorality. The Israelite men who slept with the women of Moab also began to worship Baal, one of our gods. This aroused the anger of the Lord and resulted in a plague that ended in the death of 24,000 people. If this intrigues you, you can read more of this scandalous story in Numbers 25. And with all of that awful history, is it any wonder that God told his people through his servant Moses that no Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation? None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Deuteronomy 23, 3. Do you understand now why I should have been excluded? Maybe you know a similar feeling. Maybe you have your own reasons why God could never love you, never accept you, never forgive you, never include you in his family. Maybe you're like me and have people who look at you sideways because of who you are and what you have done. I sure know what it's like to have the whole town stir because you followed Naomi back to Bethlehem. But folks, here's the thing, I was not excluded. I was redeemed. I was folded into God's family. You see, Boaz saw more than my ethnicity when he looked at me. He knew full well from where I had come, and he redeemed me anyway. Boaz folded me into his family, and God included me in the lineage of David, and ultimately in the lineage of Jesus. Oh, I was redeemed, but my redemption was a mere shadow of what Jesus would do as the ultimate redeemer of his people. You see, the redemption I received through Boaz addressed my need for food and for family, but the redemption purchased by Jesus addresses my deepest need, my need for forgiveness. You see, the Lord turns foreigners into family. ABC Family, Ruth is right. We should have been excluded too. Just like Ruth, most of us are Gentiles too. 
We're outsiders, excluded from the covenant people of God. Worse than that, our sins have made us God's enemies. But in Jesus, our ultimate Redeemer, we are folded into God's family. Listen to how Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We Gentiles are fellow heirs. We're members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. As Ruth has testified, the Lord turns foreigners into family. So look, friends, where you come from, what your skin color is, what scandal you've been party to in life. Sadly, these things may disqualify you from friendship with other people, but they will never disqualify you from becoming a member of God's family. We can have hope this Christmas season knowing that we have a Redeemer who knows all our baggage and yet chooses us, choosing to redeem us anyway offering forgiveness for sin, and welcoming foreigners into his family. So we have two reasons to have hope this Christmas season. Boaz reminds us that we have an ultimate redeemer in Jesus. And Ruth assures us that in Jesus, we are folded into God's family, even though we deserve to be excluded. So let's hear from Naomi. Hi, my name is Naomi. I really wondered if Ruth knew what she was doing. Did she know the commitment that she was making? Did she know what she was signing up for when she said that she would die where I would die? I'm not sure what she was thinking when she made that commitment, but it has become so clear to me that our God rewards all people who call on him in faith. Let me say it again. God rewards those who pledge their faithfulness to him. Here's what I mean. Ruth looked me in the eye and said this, For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people, and your God, my God. She said that my God shall be her God. Ruth said that. And then she left her homeland, her family, 
her association with the gods and the idols of Moab. She pledged her faithfulness to me, to my people, and to my God, and she truly repented. She called on the name of the Lord. To say it differently, God rewards those who seek refuge under his wings. That first day that Ruth gleaned in Boaz's field was special. Well, maybe the day wasn't special, but she told me what Boaz had prayed for her, and that was special. You see, Ruth told me that after she asked Boaz why he took notice of her, he said this, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. A full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You know what? God answered Boaz's prayer. God did repay Ruth for her selfless service to me. God did give her a full reward. He blessed her with food and with family, and the blessing was so abundant that it covered my needs as well. I once was empty, but now I am full, because the Lord rewards all who seek refuge under his wings. Friends, Naomi is right. The Lord rewards all who call on him. Listen to what Paul says about this in his letter to the Romans. Chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The reason God rewarded Ruth and Naomi with food and with family, with a redeemer, with a child, and inclusion in the lineage of David and in the lineage of Jesus the Christ, that reason is faith, personal trust in the one true God. They called on the name of the Lord. They sought refuge under his wings. And this offer still stands today. Are you empty? like Naomi was when she returned to Bethlehem? Are you tempted to believe that you should be excluded from God's blessings? Do you think you've wandered too far? Do you think that you've been involved in an unforgivable scandal? Maybe you think that you've sinned one too many times. Jesus said this, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord is our ultimate redeemer. The Lord turns foreigners into family. The Lord rewards all who seek refuge under his wings. And all of us need to hear this and respond in faith. We need to repent. And perhaps some of us here today need to repent for the first time. And if that's you, if you find yourself empty and in desperation, you want to be filled. If you find yourself feeling like you should be excluded from the family of God and you want to be folded into his family, you can do that right now. You can pray this simple prayer with me. Lord, I'm a mess. I've sinned and I deserve your wrath. I deserve to be excluded from your family. But your word assures me that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So I do that now. I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life as my substitute and laid that life down on a cross to purchase my redemption. Jesus, I call on you and I put my faith in you alone for forgiveness for my sins. Help me to live as one who has been forgiven. Help me to receive the blessings that you offer your family. Meet me in my emptiness and fill me today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer with me, will you please let me know? Will you call the church office? Will you check us out on the website, find Gerald, and make, send me an email? Just somehow let us know. We want to hear from you. We want to disciple you. We want to help you grow in Jesus, this person in you, whom you have just put your trust. And ABC family, as we continue to move toward Christmas, may Jesus be our hope and the object of our faith. Who do you need to tell about this? Who is it that needs to hear these truths from the characters in the book of Ruth? You see, our God is eager and able to use us as his voice. ABC family, let's proclaim Christ this Christmas season. Let's tell people who need to hear about him and let's assure them that God is eager to redeem them and fold them into his family, fold them into our faith family. Let's ask God's blessing on that. Father, we look to you and we thank you that you are our ultimate redeemer, Lord Jesus. And we trust and we understand that in, according to your word, you are willing and able to use us, these once foreigners now folded in as family, you're able to use us to get out the word of redemption through faith in Jesus. And it's our prayer, Lord, that this Christmas season, you would use us to glorify yourself and to build your family. We humbly ask this in Jesus' name, the one who is the Christ, the one whose humble birth we remember, and the one whose mighty return we long for. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.